If you're ready to build and grow a flexible virtual law practice, whether you're going solo for the first time or you have an existing practice, but would like to be able to work less without sacrificing your income, our signature program, The Accelerator, is for you. The Accelerator is a six-month private, done-with-you mentorship program to provide you with the exact steps, strategies, and support that you need to build, launch, and grow a flexible virtual law practice. There's honestly nothing else in the marketplace like The Accelerator, and we take a holistic approach to building a flexible law firm around the most important priorities in your life. Our unique combination of training materials, templates, and private mentoring will fast-track your transformation from burnout and missing out to a lawyer who looks forward to Monday mornings. By the end of the program, you will not only have all the information and tools you need to launch your flexible virtual firm, but we will have built out many of the back-end components of your firm together. You'll have a clear, personalized, and actionable business plan to operate and grow your practice with the confidence and support to do it. And last but certainly not least, you'll join a network of like-minded attorneys to grow with. Enrollment for the Accelerator is open now at lawyeronyourterms.com slash accelerator. Are you a lawyer who desires more freedom and flexibility in your work life? To be more available for your family, stop deferring those bucket list travel destinations until retirement, take care of yourself physically and mentally, or even just have more time for your other passions and priorities. What would it mean for your life if you could continue to practice law without sacrificing in any of these areas or sacrificing your income? I'm Kaylee Jackame, host of the Lawyer on Your Terms podcast. I run a six-figure virtual law practice working less than 25 hours a week. I'm a mom of two little ones and started my practice so I wouldn't have to choose between my vision of motherhood and my legal career. Your dreams and priorities may be different, but if you're curious about how to create a practice that is designed around your most important priorities in life, rather than always having to fit your life around your career, then you're in the right place. You, my friend, are more than just a lawyer, and you can lawyer on your own terms. Welcome to the Lawyer on Your Terms podcast. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey, Veronica, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So can you start by telling us about your background story and maybe going all the way back to why you became a lawyer in the first place or when you knew you wanted to be a lawyer? That is a funny story. So I was in college and I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew that I was coming up to graduation. I was an English major And it felt like the next natural step. And then I thought about law school and taking the LSATs. And, you know, I am a first-generation Latina, and my parents never really pushed school on me. But I always saw my dad studying a lot because when he, you know, came here, he was working, and then he was going to school part-time for to be like a computer tech person. And so I kind of just was like, all right, law school seems like the next logical step. I wasn't ready to do anything else. And it was a very, I don't know, it was very rewarding for me, like finding my place throughout law school. And I turned out to really like the reading and the writing part of it and also probably the argument parts. So that's how my journey was. Nice. And when you were in that phase of going through law school, did you know exactly what field law you wanted to practice in? Or did you know just kind of generally speaking that you wanted to be 
a lawyer. And I think often we go in with just a really general sense of it, or we think we're going to do, you know, X, Y, and Z and end up in a completely different place. Yeah, that's funny. I went in knowing I did not want to be an immigration lawyer. I was like anything but immigration because during college, I had interned at an immigration firm and I was, you know, helping out there. And I was like, it just seemed so overwhelming. It, it, and I, I was like, this is not what I want to do. So I knew I did not want to do that. I tried real estate, some real estate law that seemed okay, but I didn't really have a clear idea of what I wanted to do. I can relate to that because when I was in law school, I was flexible to what I would do, but I knew there were two things specifically that I didn't want to do. And that was to be in the courtroom at all, to be a trial attorney, to be a litigator, or to practice IP law, because that just sounded really boring to me. And as, of course, you know, my entire career has only right. been in the courtroom or practicing IP law. Exactly. Not it, it was like I was calling it into my future, too, because all I've done is practice immigration law. It was like, like a magnet. And I feel like I always say, like, it chose me because, you know, how like your second year you're supposed to interact where you get your job, your offer for your third year. And so my, the end of my second year, there was a person who I went to high school with who was also going to the same law school as I was. And he told me that Department of Homeland Security was looking for an intern and he was working there. So he asked if I could, you know, if I wanted to work there. So I sent him my resume because I didn't have any real offers my second summer. And I interviewed with them and they extended like the internship. And then even after the second semester, the second summer, they asked if I could stay with them throughout like the second year, my third year. And so I was happy. I had a job. It paid well. I took it. But, you know, it wasn't like I was like actively seeking immigration. It just kind of so happened to where I fell. Yeah. And that's where you and I actually met. It's funny. Our friendship story, I think, really grew after I left the job that we met at. But we used to be coworkers at Homeland Security. And so with that, tell us a little bit about your past career experience and what you're doing right now. Okay. So with Department of Homeland Security, I feel like it was very good to learn there because they had a lot of mentors. They had a lot of people who were really knowledgeable in the field. So I feel like, you know, a lot of it was centered on immigration. I wasn't only doing immigration law. I started out and so my internship was in New Jersey, but then when it came for hiring time, I was hired in the New York office. So I took the position in the New York office and I started as a trial attorney going to court every day, litigating immigration cases. And then I took a detail and that's just like, you know, I was a year with enforcement and removal operations. So I did a lot of the detention side, like how does immigration pain people? And then I moved to Homeland Security Investigations, where HSI does more of the investigative part of immigration laws. So they investigate federal crimes, like any type of, you know, imports, export violations, and they prosecute those. And since I was in New York, it was the Second Circuit, but they prosecute them in, in federal court. So I was I was there for a while. And then when that phase was over and I went back to New York, you know, by that time, my family had grown. I had two kids at the time and it just seemed like, you know, I didn't, I don't know. I feel like the, the work had 
stopped becoming rewarding. I didn't feel like I was doing being challenged in any way. Transferred to the Newark office back to New Jersey to be closer to my family. And then that was just more of like, you know, being a trial attorney, going to court every day and litigating cases. And then tell us about, well, I guess through that journey, at what point did you think that maybe you wanted to go out on your own and, and tell us about what it is that you're doing now? Okay. So I feel like when I was in New York towards like the last months that I was there, I felt like I didn't, I didn't really want to be there anymore. The work was just not rewarding. I think it was, oh, I think it was under the Trump administration and just any government is a lot of, it's very political and you're just kind of following orders. And at that point, it it just became very difficult to be in that environment. So when I transferred to New Jersey, I thought things would be a little bit different, but it was even worse because New Jersey was a stricter court than New York was. They had stricter judges. And so I think during that time, I, I, I didn't necessarily know I wanted to be out on my own. I just knew that I didn't want to be where I was anymore. And so then I started looking for other, you know, other jobs, other things. And I think, and then COVID happened. And so, you know, the world stopped and everybody was home. And I had, I had enjoyed a lot of time with my family. And I think during that time, everybody just kind of recalibrated and see what's important. Like, you know, working in the federal government, everything starts super early. I, I would like leave my house by 7 a.m., not be able to take my kids to school and then be home late. So I, I wanted like a schedule change, but I also wanted to do something that was rewarding. And I feel like I was looking at different jobs and none of them just really kind of worked for me. And then I think that's when, you know, we had met and, you know, I, I told you about what I, what I wanted to do. I wanted to open up my own, an educational organization for immigration so that people who are going through the process understand it because I felt like there weren't a lot of resources for Spanish speaking people going through the process and it just made sense that to do that, I had to open up my own practice. So I think the journey to getting there was like, I don't know, three or four years because I couldn't separate myself from this identity I had built as a government employee and that it, you know, like I had health insurance, I had all these benefits and it was hard to separate that from, you know, following a different path, you know, trusting myself that I could do something where I could be happy and make a difference. And so that was a long journey for me. I don't know if you felt this way, but I experienced this and I know other people have as well, that there's a sense, especially when you're a government worker, and I think even more so a federal government worker, because it's not necessarily easy to get into that job. But once you're there, you can stay forever, you know, if you choose to. And I think there's a sense of, if I walk away from this, will I ever have the chance to come back if I want to? And I think in a place of fear, you know, your mind tells you, no, if you walk away from this, that's it. There's no coming back. But you and I have both seen, even in that particular job, people leave and come back. So with that, you know, and this can apply for anyone walking away from an employment situation, there's a feeling that you are walking away from this stability 
And there is a stability, certainly if you're a government attorney, even more so. But what have you found or what has been pleasantly surprising about your success going out on your own? That everything that tied me to that, to the job, to being a, a federal employee, everything that I that tied me there that I was telling myself was not true. You know, I think a biggest thing for me and, you know, I, I did not want to be a stay at home mom. And so I was scared about leaving. And then I have, I have three children now leaving like, oh my God, I'm going to be home. And they were going to be thinking, you know, okay, you could just take care of, of the kids since you're here. And I think that was one of my fears that I didn't want to fall into that, into that, you know, it, it's great for people who want it, but I know I did not want that. And that was that, that's not true. I mean, yes, I have, I take my kids to school every morning and sometimes it's like, ah, oh, man, this is what I signed up for. But, <laughs> but, you know, for the most part, I feel like I I have had that balance of having my family time and working. Another thing that was a big blocker for me was like money. I thought that, you know, I didn't think that I would be able to make what I was making in a government job on my own, especially not in the beginning. And that also proved to be false. I have been you know, luckily, really, I have been able to support myself and all my bills with with my practice. I think I've been very lucky because it was a fast it was a fast transition for me. And just, you know, like nothing is permanent. Like I think that's like another big lesson that I've learned. Like, you know, part of the journey is for me is being challenged in different ways. And I feel like once in the federal government, it stopped doing that for me. I needed to transition and there was no other place that I could grow there. I had, had done the growing that I could. And now I'm growing now, but this may not be another forever job. Like I don't know what my future holds and, and that's okay. Like being okay with nothing is permanent and you never know where life will, will throw you. Like maybe I'll be a judge when I'm, you know, 50 or 60. I, I don't know. So, you know, coming to terms with, I have no idea what my future looks like, and that's okay. Yeah, that's an interesting point you made, because I remember this really stuck out to me. Obviously, I won't say any names, but someone who you and I probably know was talking about, you know, how their career had changed slightly in a change of their role, and they had gotten through the first day, and now they just need to do this for the next 30 years and they'll be good. And that was almost like a verbatim quote. And that was like, that was terrifying to me to even hear someone else say. But it is funny, this, you know, bridge from leaving the perceived security of employment and going out on your own is this like mindset of like kind of fatalism, finality in your choices that I experienced at least as an employee, like I can't ever walk away or I can never come back. And this is what I need to do until my pension vests, until, you know, all these criteria. And then when you break away from that and you go out on your own, I've personally experienced the same thing that you're talking about is if you asked me, Kaylee, what is your business going to look like in 10 years? I would say, I don't know exactly what it will look like in five years. I can tell you what I think I would like to have it look like, but you know, things may change in the business landscape of a different need that comes up for people that I want to pivot to fill or my life changes. And I want to adapt my business to my life at that point. And I think that's the beauty. Like, I feel like now I wake up 
And I don't know. I mean, I have an idea of what my days are going to look like. Some days my calendar is packed, but then there's some days where I have nothing on and I'm like, oh, this is going to be an exciting day. And then you get a call and it leads you here. And it's interesting. Like, it's not, it's not like, it's not planned out. So like, it's, it's just every day is an adventure. And I, and I'm learning to really appreciate that. And I, I'm like, I'm a Taurus and I feel like for my fellow Taurians or however you say it, like I like structure. I like knowing I'm like, I need to know everything and being able to release that and learning to just be okay with going with the flow has number one, helped my creativity. It's helped me like pivot. Like that really is a skill. Like you get what you get and now you have to make, you know, I don't know what's it like make lemonade with when you have lemons, whatever that is. <laughs> You got to figure it out. You just got to do it. And so like figuring it out and doing it has been part of the journey. And I've really come to appreciate that part. That's awesome. And you said something just to talk on that point of structure about, you know, being more flexible for your family, but not wanting to be a stay at home mom. And, you know, I can relate to that. I love the hybrid life. Like give me a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But I, I don't know if this has been your experience, I think it is really important to have that structure of clear work time and maybe you have a home office and you need to find an office outside of the home, a co-working space or, you know, line up that childcare. But it's important to make it clear to the people around you when you're not going to be available and when you're going to be working, because I think there is a sense in you know the difference between being an employee versus self-employed because you can be flexible there are people in your life who will expect you to be flexible because you can be whereas you know you could be an employee you could be a cashier at a grocery store i'm not throwing any shade on that position but when you need to be at work at a certain time everyone is going to back off and acknowledge that you have to be there when you could be doing something just or more as impactful but if there's you know the opportunity for flexibility the world and the people in your life can really i think you know push on those boundaries so important to have structure in that way now before we talk about what your days look like now let's back up to the journey of building this and maybe it's what you expected it to be, or it's not what you expected it to be. In my experience, and I think the experience of most people, that's a period of hustle that involves more than you think it's going to involve. And it's going to take longer than you think it's going to take. So for those who are kind of sitting on the fence, you know, and they're not sure if they're ready to leave their employment, I would kind of say, well, start building your groundwork, you know, start, start laying the foundation for what you're going to do, because it's going to take you some time, especially if you're working a full-time job. So tell us about that journey of kind of like building out the back end of this while being a mom, while working a full-time job. Okay. So I live very much in my head. That's where I'm com most comfortable. So I feel like for years before I actually took the dive, I feel like I was planning all these scenarios in my head and writing things out. I like now I go back and I had a folder. I called it human integration because that's what I thought like I was creating. And so I, I kept all my journaling, all my notes in there and all my ideas. So I had like, all right, I could do a podcast, podcast ideas and just like writing it all out. And then, you know, 
okay, what if I do this? Writing everything out. What if I open up my own practice? Writing everything out. And so I feel like I had a lot of what is this going to actually look like on paper? And I did that process for many years. And you know, they always say like people sometimes see something in you and they're like, of course I knew you could do it, but until you see that you can do it, you can't. So for me, that took that took years and writing everything out and having everything, you know, on paper was a very important step for me to feel comfortable. And then it kind of came to a point where it was like, all right, you can't really write about this anymore because who knows how it's going to go. Now you just have to actually get out there and do it. And I remember telling one of my coworkers when I was like, it was coming up to where I was going to give notice and I didn't tell her I was leaving, but I, I, we were talking about, you know, being unhappy where we were. And I told her, I feel like I just need someone to kind of just push me off the ledge because I will, I will figure out a way to swim, but it's like that first jump. That's so scary. And I'm not the type of person that'll like just jump in. So I told her, I was like, I kind of just wish someone would push me. And I told my friends and my sister that I was leaving and they had coordinated a little like, you know, party at a restaurant for me, like the day I was supposed to give notice. Mm -hmm. And having that accountability was really important for me because that week leading up to it, I was going back and forth in my head. Like, I, I don't know how I'm going to resign. I went through the conversation, like, how am I going to talk about this? And it was really scary, but having, like, I'm like, well, I have to do it because they're celebrating me doing this on Friday. So I can't go like, Hey, I couldn't do it. And so I think the the process, there's a mental process in your head and then there's the action step. But like, before you can get to the action you have to make sure that like your your head, your mind space, you. Because I think that's the biggest lesson I've learned. Like I had to have confidence in myself that this is something that I can do. And, you know, I wrote every scenario down on paper. And then when I left or when I resigned, I was like, holy smokes, now I have to actually do. So I started calling colleagues and people from the private bar telling them I was leaving if they had any work like to keep me in mind this was going to be my last day I lined up a lot of things for me that first month because I was really scared about like not having you know not having an income and so I kind of went on overdrive I reached out to a lot of local churches and a lot of organizations and I said you know I like to teach can I just present and that has really, really helped me because number one, I'm getting out in front of large crowds. I'm working on my public speaking and I'm meeting people and you never know who you're going to meet. Like some, or sometimes I go to events and I, and I don't meet anybody and I'm like, okay, well, you know, now I learned that this isn't like my space. These aren't where my people are. And then sometimes I go to an event and I'm like, oh, wow, this is, this is great. This is like where my tribe lives. So I feel like not putting too much pressure on any one event or any one thing has really helped me. And it's kind of gotten me into the doing. And when you're in the doing, you forget about, you know, all the reasons why you couldn't do this in the first place. If you're ready to build and grow a flexible virtual law practice, whether you're going solo for the first time or you have an existing practice, but would like to be able to work less without sacrificing your income, our signature program, The Accelerator, is for you. The Accelerator is a six-month private, done-with-you mentorship program 
to provide you with the exact steps, strategies, and support that you need to build, launch, and grow a flexible virtual law practice. There's honestly nothing else in the marketplace like the Accelerator, and we take a holistic approach to building a flexible law firm around the most important priorities in your life. Our unique combination of training materials, templates, and private mentoring will fast-track your transformation from burnout and missing out to a lawyer who looks forward to Monday mornings. By the end of the program, you will not only have all the information and tools you need to launch your flexible virtual firm, but we will have built out many of the back-end components of your firm together. You'll have a clear, personalized, and actionable business plan to operate and grow your practice with the confidence and support to do it. And last, but certainly not least, you'll join a network of like-minded attorneys to grow with. Enrollment for the Accelerator is open now at lawyeronyourterms.com slash accelerator. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot that you said there that I want to address, but I'll work my way backwards. When it comes to showing up at those events, doing those trainings, you really don't know where the connections, the meaningful connections and referrals are going to come from. And maybe you've experienced this, but sometimes I will, you know, do a training in a group that I think this is, you know, I'm going to do it as a favor to the person who asked me just to be polite, but this is essentially going to be a waste of my time because I don't believe that anything is going to come from it. And almost, you know, just the universe teaching me a lesson that's usually wrong. Whereas I've had huge groups where I'm like, this is, this is just like a home run and no, nothing, nothing comes from it. So yeah, just, you know, really putting yourself out there because you don't know at first. And then back to your list making, and maybe you found there are these things you think are going to be really important or that you really have to spend time mapping out. And when you get to the doing, it's like, okay, you just, you do it. It it takes a fraction of the time you thought it was going to, but there were actually a hundred additional tasks that you were completely unaware of were even a thing (laughs) until you dive in. And I have, I have a friend and and a woman who's been through the accelerator program that was doing a rebrand and her to-do list was four items initially. And it took way longer than, you know, she anticipated because within those each of those points, there's just like, in, you just dig another layer and find more to-dos, more to-dos. And then finally, about the celebration party of your giving notice. I love that because if you if you were to, there's a whiteboard in front of me, if you were to divide it up and like um, really treat your fears as legitimate things that are have a high probability of happening, that you're not going to have an income, that you're, you know, all of these like really scary scenarios on one side, and then the, oh, well, I'm going to disappoint them when we don't have dinner, or you could even still have dinner and it be for a different reason. But that accountability is for you. It's not for them. But in our minds, it is really compelling to tell people that you're going to do something, especially by a date. So for anyone who, whatever, whether it's going out on your own or doing anything new, Telling people that you're going to do something and giving it a date is an incredible way of holding yourself. And telling the right people, because I could not tell my mom, because I knew that if I told my mom before, my mom would be like, oh my God, I can't believe this. Why are you doing this? Like, you're so lucky. You have a job. You always have a job. So I had to tell the right people. Like I kept my circle really small because I know my mom would have said all those things and then she would have put the doubt in me. Absolutely. Like, okay, I can't do this. 
Absolutely. For me, that was my father. The man is obsessed with people having pensions. So the for and even a stranger, for a stranger to suggest to him that they're going to lose their pension. Yeah. So that's funny. So let's go back to the the building portion of your journey and like tell me more your experience of balancing the full-time job. Did it take more time than you thought it was going to be? What was that journey like of building out the back end? I feel like before I met you, like before we met and I knew that you were doing the accelerator class, I had started doing things on my own. But I feel like with that, there I did stuff and it kind of sat there. I think that once I did join the accelerator class and I was supported, I felt very supported in that group. And I feel like, you know, sometimes the action steps aren't so important as the people that are around you. And you see other people doing it and you're like, well, if they can do it, then I can, I could probably do it too. You know, you start like thinking like that. So I feel like once I took that accelerator class, it was like, all right, this plan has worked for you. It's for other people in the group. So it's probably going to work for me too. Having that really, no pun intended, but accelerated the process for me because Because, you know, I knew I had support. Like if something didn't work, if I needed help, I could reach out to you. I could reach out to the other ladies in the group. And I think that that was important to have that. And then to know I didn't need to have everything figured out because as I'm going through it and I'm doing things, if I need help, I can reach out to Kaylee or I could reach out to somebody else and they can help me along the way. So I think for me, a big part of, you know, just not the doing in the head, but being supported before I actually jumped into the water. That was important. Yeah. And it kind of puts you on a moving sidewalk sort mm-hmm. of, you know, you, you're like, yep. oh, we're proceeding to the next week yep. and the next week. And you kind of, rather than having to compel yourself to right. off the edge into the deep end, which really does take a lot of, you know, a lot of guts and a lot of internal energy to make that leap. It's once you get onto the moving sidewalk, it's like, okay, I'm going to have to take some kind of action to interrupt the progress that I'm making. Right. And like, and as we were going through it, sometimes things were over my head and I didn't like, you were talking about something that I I didn't see that important because I wasn't there at the stage yet, but at least I had the resources. I think when you're looking at any kind of mentorship program, the community aspect of something is not usually a selling point. I don't think as many of us are seeking out, even though it sounds nice to have a a supportive community, you really want the action plan. You want the advice. You want someone to tell you how to do it in a way that is going to make you successful. And as you said, accelerate your success. But then when you get into it, and especially the the community that we have, um, and we have calls where at this point, everyone is such close friends from all the time they've spent with each other. Can you tell me a little bit about how that community aspect really changed the experience, maybe in a way that you weren't even looking for? I feel like I wouldn't be able to do this if I didn't have support. Like, I don't know, for me, the support thing and the community was a huge factor in in taking the first step. I know there may be some people that could do it on their own. I just always felt more supportive being part of a community, part of a group where, you know, especially with women who know, you know, okay, we all have families, we all have these other obligations, and this is something else that we're working towards. So the community part was a very big factor because, and and we all bring something different to the table. We're all 
good at different parts of the journey. And so feeling that support from someone else or having, you know, being able to talk to somebody else about their journey, because, you know, a lot of people were at different stages and different points in their career too. And that was, that was incredibly helpful. And it still is. That's great. Can you speak a little bit about how, now that you've launched, how your balance between work and your personal life has shifted after taking this leap? Okay. So before, when I was working at Homeland Security, I would work all day. And then I was like doing my hobby things in the evening. I was, you know, mapping things out. I was writing. I was, I was doing all of these things that I thought were going to be important in the future for launching whatever it was I wanted to launch. Now, and, and I feel like, so I left in February. It's been like a few months. I feel like the, the balance has been the most difficult part for me. I find that I do have to go to events to make sure that I have clients that I'm in front of people. And a lot of those are on the weekends. So, you know, in the beginning, especially I was going to things like every weekend and, and trying to meet people. And my husband has been very supportive and he was, you know, taking care of the three kids while I was out doing things. I was doing workshops in the evening and then I was working all day too. So it was, it was very, like I was very busy and I'm not going to like just last night I was up until 2 a.m. writing a brief for for a lawyer because it was under a, a tight deadline. So I feel like I am not to the point where I want to be with my time management. I feel I still feel a lot of pressure. Like I have a client, I need to turn around something in two weeks. And I was talking to Jill about this the other day, someone else in the accelerator class, because I feel like I am placing, it's me, I am placing the unrealistic expectations on myself. And I have to do better about that because, you know, it, in the long run, I know that this is not manageable. I have to be more protective of my time and my time with my family. But I now am unplugging on the weekends. So, you know, I'm like, fine, I'll, I'll stay up until like 1 a.m. finishing things that I sh- that I didn't have time to do. But on the weekends, I'm not answering texts. I'm not answering phone calls. And, you know, it is it is what it is. So. And, and I've also been better. So at Homeland Security, we had one day off, you know, we worked like a four day week. I've been transitioning to doing that again, too. So now on Friday, I've been not seeing any clients. If there's like a few things that I need to do, it'll be like, you know, like maybe two or three hours, but I've, I've been better about taking that day to myself, too. That's great. And that brought up two thoughts. First, not saying that this is your experience, but I think it's normal for, you know, if you're coming from a place of anxiety over the results that you're going to get, it's normal to get into like seed planting mode. You're going to plant a lot of seeds, plant maybe more seeds than you need to. So at least some of them are going to sprout, you know, and right. become crops. And that's great that you're kind of, as you see the success in your business, and probably a lot of that came from your connections with private bar attorneys and also these events that you've been doing. And, you know, just like anything, you do a lot of work to build the back end of your practice to launch it. It's kind of a period of hustle. In different ways, there are periods of hustle when you first start your business that they, you know, they produce the constant flow of clients that come later on. And so I know in my own journey early on, I was in that hustle mode of 
you know, trying to get in front of as many people as I could. And in my experience, it was more virtual. I wasn't going to in-person events, but it was through those efforts that I was able to kind of ride on the coattails of my former self, of the Kaylee who, who did all of that outreach for a while. So I think, you know, to, to just be aware of when it's necessary, when to set boundaries around it, but it's not always a mistake to have that period of hustle because you might be benefiting from those efforts for a very long time. In fact, I think you will, especially in your area, in your field of law, it's very much word of mouth. And so you have, you know, established yourself as the go-to expert in immigration law, probably in the minds of everyone who was at those events. And they are going to have a lot of friends and family members that maybe they don't need your services, but in a year from now, in two years from now, you're going to come to mind and they're going to refer their friends and family to you. But I'm also really glad to hear that you're recognizing it and taking Fridays off and protecting your weekends. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I feel like when, you know, it's, for me, the security was a big part. And I think that's why I was at the, in the government for so long. And so shifting that like security isn't just monetary security is also family and time with, with your family. And if you're not investing your time there either, then, you know, that's going to fall apart. So I feel like, you know, really recognizing I can, I'm building my life or like a new life right now. Cause everything is, has been, has changed. What do I want that to look like? Where do I want to invest my time? So, so yes, it's been, it's easy. It's like for me, I like to work. I like, like, I'm like a, I like to live in my head. I like to write. And I feel like it's easy for me to lose myself in my work. So taking that reminder to step aside has been, has been good because everybody needs like that balance, like you said. Yeah. That's really interesting too. I've heard people say, and I think it's certainly true that, entrepreneurship is like the biggest self-development journey that you'll ever go through. So as you were talking about this, and especially like your personal value of stability and how that's, you know, been reflected in your career all along, it's to be expected that you would see that reflected in how you're establishing your practice and how you're living out this new work environment, at least at first. And maybe that was a necessary thing. Or maybe you would have had just as much business from the private bar attorneys. Who knows? But it sounds like even if it's just on a personal level that you kind of had to go through that process of recognizing that in yourself and intentionally cutting back. And so even if it's just, you know, just to have the conclusion at the end of the day that I don't need to be doing this, this is not only where my stability comes from is an important and valuable thing. So what advice would you give to other lawyers who maybe see themselves in your story or they're kind of wrestling with the decision of whether to go solo, but they feel daunted about what it's going to involve to do that? What advice would you give to those people? I feel like the first thing I would tell them is don't put so much pressure on yourself. Like timing is everything. And I look back and like I was putting a lot of stress and a lot of pressure on myself like years before, like, why can't I do this now? Why can't I just like take the step? And you know what? I don't know. I can't answer why, but the time wasn't right for me then. So kind of being, you know, in grace with yourself and saying, okay, I feel all these feelings and it's, it's okay not to be ready yet, but, you know, do little things every day that are within your control where, you know, because I feel like the biggest for me, I needed to 
be able to believe in myself and trust that I could do this in order to take that leap. And so doing whatever you can to build up that confidence, because there's no doubt you can do anything you want to do, but can you believe you can do it? So building up, like doing the work spiritually, mentally, whatever that looks like for someone to to gain that confidence, doing that work, that's just as important as getting all those, you know, do I need to do a bank account? How am I going to get my website? Like, I feel like that part is more important. So maybe taking more time to build that space for yourself and that people are always willing to support you. The right people are and finding that community is going to be extremely important because not every day is easy. And the people who can relate to you are the people who are going through the same thing. And they always, you know, will have those little nuggets of wisdom, those pieces of advice that'll get you through the next day or the next week. So I think those two are really important. That's great. So Veronica, what can people expect to see from you next? We, we talked a lot about your immigration practice side of your business, but you also have this educational brand. So what can we expect to see from you? So the Humanigration, that's the educational component. That is, you know, it's been like soft launches because it is a lot of legwork in the beginning. But I have, I've been now, I've connected with a lot of psychologists who do the reports for different types of relief and I'm doing trainings for that. So in the next coming months, I feel like you're going to see if you follow me on social media, which you should, if this is interesting to you, I have been doing a lot of educational videos on there and I'm doing a lot of trainings for psychologists and also legal interns at different law firms that, you know, come to intern. So I think that's where my happy space is. And, you know, that's, that's what you expect to see from me. That's great. Yeah. And I definitely recommend that the listeners follow you on Instagram and where else can they find you? Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. I'm trying TikTok. <laughs> so it's awesome. at Humanigration is my handle. Because you're also doing things in a with a really new take on it, not just the educational brand in general, but you see a lot of kind of copycat sort of styles on social media. And when I look at even the posts that you're putting on Instagram, they're different than what I see elsewhere. So um, really great to follow Veronica and and get some ideas of a different way to practice law and how to do so in a creative and innovative way too. So Veronica, we'll put all of your links in the show notes of this episode. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your journey with everyone. Thank you so much for having me. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to me and really help us grow If you would take a moment to go to your podcast app where you listen and leave us a review. If you know a lawyer who you think would enjoy this podcast, please take a screenshot of your favorite episode and send it to them or tag them in a post. And before we leave, I just want to remind you that you are more than just a lawyer and you can lawyer on your own terms. I'll see you next week.